Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 8th is John chapter Jesus returns to Jerusalem. He goes up by the Sheep Gate, and there is a place there with five porches, five covered areas. There are these huge columns, and they were built into the wall, and it was a place where the sick, lame, paralyzed people would gather because it was shaded and it was protected. Jesus finds a man there. We don't know why he chose that particular man. Maybe he was walking by and the guy made eye contact with him, and Jesus asks him a very interesting and important question. Would you like to be made well? The man doesn't respond yes or no. He makes an excuse. There's no one to put me in the water when it's stirred. Someone always gets in front of me. In other words, I don't have any hope. There's no way for me to be cured. I've been like this for 38 years, sir. I appreciate you asking, but I'll never be made well. Jesus responds, get up, pick up your mat and go. Instantly, the man picks up his mat. He's made well. He's able to walk instantly after 38 years of not being able to stand on his own two feet. Now, it would be fine for Jesus to heal any other day, but the religious people of that time were upset because it was a Sabbath. It was a day of rest. The rules say we don't heal on the Sabbath. We don't pick up our mats on the Sabbath. We don't do any work on the Sabbath. So when the religious zealots saw the man carrying his mat, they say to him, You can't do that. Of course, he's taken aback because it never occurred to him that he couldn't do that. He had never experienced the power of God before. Jesus responds, get up, pick up your mat and go. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for that man to stand up, to be instantly made well, to stand up? Imagine all of the range of emotions that must have been going through his head as he walked around experiencing life from an from a perspective that he hadn't witnessed in four decades. It probably never even occurred to him that it was against the religious rules for him to be carrying his little bedroll around until the religious elite confronted him because he was breaking that rule. You're breaking the rule, sir. Oh, but you don't understand the man who made me well, the man who lifted me from the ground for the first time by my own strength for in 38 years, told me to pick up my mat and go. And it's very interesting that this one possession that this man had, this mat, this little cheap bedroll, it was a like a, a quilted blanket that he would lay on. It was specifically used, this word mat was specifically used to refer to what poor people would sleep on. And it was probably about all he owned. The very thing, the only possession that he had that brought him comfort, that would cushion him 
from the hard ground a little bit became the thing when he carried it that got him into trouble with the religious people. Jesus didn't tell him to pick up his backpack or anything else. We don't know if he was carrying anything else, but the one thing that Jesus told him to carry was the one thing that the religious world had a problem with. The man who healed me told me to pick it up. Not sure what to do. Who was this man? I don't know. This nameless man had healed this paralytic after 40 years and then slipped into the crowd. Later, Jesus finds him in the temple. It seems as though Jesus was specifically looking for him because it says he found him. He finds him and he says, see, you are well. Don't sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Gives us the impression that this man's injury was the result of some action he took that he should not have taken. Perhaps the man went and told the Jews the religious Jews. Of course, this isn't referring to all Jews. It's referring to the religious leaders of the time. It was Jesus. Jesus is the one who healed me. And so they began persecuting Jesus, looking for a reason to kill him because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Of course, yesterday we were talking about how important it is that we keep the Sabbath even today, even as Gentiles, even though we're not under the law, we're under grace. Most Christians today believe that we only have to keep nine of the Ten Commandments. And of course, there is grace, there is forgiveness, but there are consequences when we sin. And there's blessing when we keep the commandments. These religious people didn't understand the purpose of the commandments and they layered these laws because they were not able to be led by the spirit. That wasn't safe for them. They had to make rules. They had to make laws. They had to spell it out in black and white, what you can do, what you can't do, when you can do it and when you can't. They missed the entire point. We are supposed to be listening to God We're supposed to be following God. We're supposed to be guided by God. They didn't want God. They didn't know God. They wanted their rules so they could do whatever they want. So they didn't have to worry about their heart condition. They could check the box. I went to church today. I'm good. Let me watch football for the next eight or 10 hours. Beginning in 517, Jesus responded, my father is still working and I am working also. That just made him matter. God's your father? He's not our father too? What makes you better than us? Who are you anyway? Where did you come from? Where did you go to Bible college? What seminary did you graduate from? What makes you qualified? Sounds like the religious order of today, doesn't it? If you think about it, we have a lot of religious rules today. There are lots of things that we want people or we expect people to do. Join a church. Wear these certain clothes. Don't go to these places. Don't consume these things. Do this. Don't do that. Of course, there's wisdom. We should be learning from one another. We should be in community with one another. We should not forsake the gathering together of the believers. 
We need one another. We can't grow spiritually continually in a vacuum. And yet we have to be very careful about man-made rules. Think about church membership. The Bible says nothing about joining a local church. Is it a good thing? Depends on the church. Is it a bad thing? It depends on the church. But to say every believer needs to be a member of a local church the way the Americans do it is just not true. Maybe God is bigger than our particular movement. Maybe God is going to move in the house church movement and in the institutional church and in the mega church and in everything. But what's important is that every single person be listening to God because there are bad house churches and there are good house churches. There are bad big churches and there are good big churches. And there are probably good and bad people in each of them as well. Jesus tells the people that he will be their judge, that there will be a resurrection of the dead. Those who did good in this life will be resurrected unto life, and those who did bad or were wicked will be resurrected unto condemnation. The thing is, Jesus is fit to be the judge of people because he is a person, and he's also perfect. He didn't sin. He didn't ever put his own desires before those of another person. He was never selfish. He never committed adultery. He never stole. He never defamed anybody. He never gave false witness. And he kept the Sabbath. Jesus said, you can trust me because God sent me. God spoke of me. Of course, John the Baptist did too. John was a burning and shining lamp that you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. You guys all loved it when John was here. He was a fire and brimstone preacher. Man, he got us all fired up, didn't he? You guys really enjoyed that. He was talking about me. Jesus said, I don't even need the testimony of another person. I'm only sharing this to show how hypocritical you are. You don't have God's word residing in you because you don't believe in the one he sent. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, yet they testify about me. Jesus said, you study the Bible. You think you know it all so well and you're missing the point. You go to your religious service every week, you pray, you tithe, you do all of these things, and you don't know God. You don't know his heart. I am his heart, Jesus said. But you don't know the heart. You know about God, but you don't know God. Don't even think that you can say, well, I read everything that Moses read. I read everything that Moses wrote. I understand it and I follow it. Therefore, I am righteous. Jesus said, Moses is going to testify against you because you're invoking his name and you don't even know what he was talking about. Don't we all have a temptation to think that we understand God? Don't we all have an... Aren't we all tempted to think that we know God better than the people around us? 
friends, if you don't, if you're humble in this area, if you think other people know God better than you do, you might be ahead of them. Why do we all think that we know God better than the people around us? I'll just say, if that part, if that last statement didn't ring true in your heart, if you don't feel as though you know God better than the people around you, that's a great place to start. He gives grace to the humble. If that's you, if you say, I just don't know God as well as I'd like, pray. Just like, Father, reveal yourself to me. Jesus, reveal yourself to me. He gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Let's be careful. Let's be humble. Father, keep us humble for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom. I can't do anything, Father. Jesus used the parable of the vine in John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you're the branches. What does the branch do? It holds the fruit. The fruit comes from the plant. We're just holding the fruit. We're holding the grapes that he is growing through us. And as long as we stay connected to him, we'll be fine. But when we're not connected to him because of our pride, because of our sin, because of our unwillingness to connect to him, we're cut off. We all need him. And when we recognize our need and we admit it, friends, he is so overjoyed. He loves that. May God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.